All right. I believe we're live. I'm gonna pull up this video real quick and then uh, make sure it's all working before we go too far. Sure, sure. All right, yep, there we go. Okay, welcome everybody to another live Zoom conversation. Um, we have, we've invited uh, members um, to join us or, or ex-members, I guess, at this point, people who have recently left the WMSCOG. Um, we're, we're kind of doing this video. We have Kelsey here. Um, what really we want to do tonight is just provide some help, some encouragement, and some answers to questions that uh, many of you have. If you're uh, leaving the church, if you're in the process of leaving, or if you uh, have already left. Uh, we're just, it seems like the past couple of weeks, there's maybe been a little bit of a, um, an increase in the amount of messages we're getting uh, from people who are leaving or have left. And, and man, I'm, I'm, I, got, I got one just today. Really, I've gotten a couple over the past couple of days, but one that I read just this morning that was it's really, it's heartbreaking and it's just, it's a little bit heavy, some of these messages, because the people, and I'm sure you're experiencing this too, Kelsey, just the people that are reaching out to me are so desperate, they're so lost, they're so confused, and uh, and they're, they just have so many questions. And so, yeah, yeah. I think just, to, we just kind of want to help answer some of those questions. Um, we've compiled a list. Some, another thing that we've been asked, a common thing we've been asked is, is people who are leaving, they want to have kind of like a bullet list of points um, that they can bring up to their uh, leadership uh, if, if the leaders want to meet with them. Um, and Hello? so these people, hi, DJ. Sorry, hey. guys, we got somebody jumped in. How are you? I'm so sorry. I just got your email just now. I'm so sorry. It's That's okay. That's all right. No, you're good. We just uh, I'm glad started. You joined us. We just started, actually. So, <laughs> um, so, so, anyways, what? Yeah, what we hopefully, if uh, depending on how this goes, um, as all these Zoom meetings are, it's a little bit um, up in the air about the direction this will end up going. Um, but ultimately, the main thing we want to do, we just hope this is edifying and encouraging, and and helps provide some answers to those of you who are leaving or have left. Um, and Kelsey, I know you have, you've gone through that whole grind of leaving and then probably having to meet with your leadership, or maybe you haven't, but I know if you haven't been on that end, I can't remember for sure. I know oh, I've been on, on that end. <laughs> I've okay. been on that end. I've been on the, I've yep. been on that end as leaving. And I've also been on that end when other people try to leave too. And I had to defend the church. So I've been on both sides. <laughs> you know, you know, both sides, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think what that means then is that you're going to have some really good, um, helpful points for people in that. So I hope so. Uh, yeah. So we'll get to that. Um, so we're, again, we're going to have some, we have a DJ, you're a former member. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. So we have DJ, a former member we're probably going to have, we might have a couple more jump in. We sent out this invite just to a handful of people and uh, we will see uh, whether or not any more join. Um, I just, I just want really? to clarify one thing yeah. is um, like I am Go a ahead. former member, but um, I do hold on to some of the teaching, not all, some of them. Um, okay. 
So just that's where I just stand right now. I'm not like here just landed the church or anything like that. I'm not trying to get sued. I'm living a good yeah. life right now. I'm happy. Um, but yeah, I just want to share my experience of because I was in the church for over seven years. And I was also a house church leader at one point. Um, okay. So I just want to share my experience. Um, in yeah, I'm trying to remember. I know I've had several people reach out, so I'm trying to remember exactly which uh, person it, you are that, yeah. and, and trying to remember your story. So yeah, we'll, we'd love to hear that here. I'll ask you a few questions about that probably soon. And, and even kind of curious about what beliefs you still hold on to. Um, that would be fun to, to, talk, to yeah. hear more about too. Um, so one thing before, before we get started on that, I, um, kind of a question I keep getting, uh, lately that I just kind of wanted to address right up front here is, um, people keep asking me why we're targeting this group, um, why we're so focused on this group and, uh, seems like we have an agenda against this group and, and, uh, that's true. We do somewhat have an agenda against this group. Uh, I think it's fair to say that it's, I don't think it's like this hateful, um, malicious thing. It's, it's more just, uh, for some practical reason. So it's kind of the answer to that question of why we're so focused in on this specific group, the WMSCOG and not, um, at this point, we're not focusing a whole lot on other groups. We'd like to do that maybe in the future. Um, we'll see how that goes, but just a couple of reasons why I just want to explain this, um, for those of you who are asking that, um, one thing is that, um, I've had personally, I've had a lot of personal encounters with this group. So both myself, Jesse, um, and others, even in our community have had uh, multiple encounters with these guys. And so we've, we've kind of had just a personal experience with what it's like to be evangelized by them um, and what it's like to try to reply to some of their arguments and just how um, really, yeah, I, I guess I just keep saying this. I feel like uh, this group is kind of another level of intensity, um, in comparison to groups like J Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Um, they're very, um, passionate about their evangelism and they're very passionate about the Bible, which I think is one reason why it can be so confusing for people who encounter them. And so when I've personally encountered them, it just kind of produces me a personal interest to respond to, and to, you know, the first couple of meetings, I didn't have a, um, you know, I, I had some things to reply with because I had, you know, I, I feel like a, an understanding what the gospel is and what it's not, but I did have to go away and look into this, these things, because I, I right up front, you know, I didn't have an answer for some of the things they were asking. And so it can be confusing to other people who are um, coming across this group. And so we, we want to just help people provide answers to them. And uh, another reason kind of going along with that is I feel like there's, um, there's not a ton of groups right now that are providing resources. And I think we've said this before, but there's not a ton of groups that are providing resources to reply against this group. There are some, and I'm finding more on YouTube, more even a couple channels that are, uh, have done some videos, some good videos on this group. But uh, it seems like in, in some part, there's a bit of a hole um, as far as resources. And so we want to kind of fill that hole right now until we don't feel like it's really necessary anymore. And uh, maybe until the point where we feel like we've done our part. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think just, uh, again, this group is very aggressive in their evangelism. And so we feel like we, there needs to be more aggressive, if you want to put it that way, responses and, and consistent 
um, responses to them. And then lastly, the last thing is just practically just the fruit we're seeing, the emails we're getting, uh, the people that are being impacted by these videos. It's just, uh, it kind of tells us that, yeah, this is kind of something that's needed right now. Um, and it's benefiting people. And so, yeah, these are just, just kind of a couple of reasons why we're focusing in on this group in particular right now. Um, uh, some of you I know have been wondering about that. And so, yeah, enough of that. I think um, I would like to real quick, um, uh, we have DJ on, let me see if there's anybody else trying to join. Nope. Okay. So DJ, you're right now, you're the only, uh, besides Kelsey, obviously former member here with us. And so maybe just, um, share a little bit about, uh, about what you wanted to share. Just kind of like, tell us when you left the group, um, why you left and kind of where you're at now. Um, uh, yeah, sure. So, um, I got baptized, uh, I remember the exact date, May 15, 2010, um, and I left the church in, it was in March, March of 2017, I forgot which day, it was right, it was the day right before Sabbath day, or it was like the, the Sabbath day, I would, just didn't show it up, um, but yeah, so like I first was baptized in Ridgewood, New Jersey, and then in 2012, uh, that was the year that I got a I got hired on a new job in D.C. So they transferred me down to D.C. And they wanted to send me down to South Carolina because uh, for my job, I was able to work from home. Uh, they want to send me down to South Carolina to start a house church with this other deacon and deaconess. They're like they're a couple. And I was like really faithful in the church. I was like really gung-ho. Um, everything that I learned, I was like, you know, amazed because it's like, I read the Bible on my own. Uh, I was prior service. I was in the military and, um, I had like a lot of time. So I had a lot of time to read the Bible. So when I went to the church, you know, everything was like, you know, was answered to me. I was like amazed. Um, so like from that point on, I really didn't like a lot of things were like, start like, I, I would start noticing like a lot of red flags. I would say like the first year because like it was like I didn't even I, I wasn't even a year in and I, I was already sent to Korea to go meet mother and from that point on I, it was it was like red flags like everywhere like I was told like you shouldn't access you shouldn't uh, say this you shouldn't say that you shouldn't ask this question you shouldn't ask that question and it was being pretty much being fed to me like what I should do and what, should, what I should not do and I was like, wait a minute, I'm like, I'm about to go meet God in the flesh. Like, why are you telling me what to do, what not to do, uh, what to say, what not to say? And that doesn't make any sense. So when I got there, um, like, I really was trying to, like, not expect too much. Like, because that's what they were telling me. Don't expect, like, any miracles. God's not here to perform any miracles. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. So when I went there... Um, it, it just like baffled me, like like she needed like a translator, and then really only that I had like a name tag, and I'm yeah. sitting there like asking her these questions, like you know like, hey like you know can you help me out with this situation like because I was going through a lot after again the uh, the Marines, and I was like hey can you you know help me out with this situation, and then the only answer I always get is like oh bear many fruits you're gonna bear many fruits. And I sat there just, like, looked at her. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm asking you a serious question about my about my life right now. Like, this is, like, you know, what I'm going through right now. 
and she just, just kept on giving me these like you know these like typical questions that she would tell another person because i will always like you know overhear like when you're waiting online to go uh talk to her you can overhear what like she's saying to like another person so like i'm sitting there i'm like why she's giving me these typical answers you know blah 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 so like right from that point on i just started to doubt like everything but i was like too scared can i ask a question can I ask a question? Yeah. When, when you were in Korea, about how much uh, hey, the time that you were in Korea? Hi, Tim. About um, when you were in Korea to to meet um to meet mother. About how much time in the whole event did you actually spend one on one time with her? Uh, I would say it was like five seconds, and that was actually recorded on the video. On the church actually uh, has it on the video. You see, like, mother, like, she comes up to me and she, like, she shakes my hand and, like, she's, like, talking to me, like, for five seconds. That, that, and plus, like, the 30 seconds that I was able to, like, sit down and talk to her. Like, that's literally, like, how long I was able to talk to her. Like, I wasn't able to talk to her, like, that long at all. And then how many days were you in Korea for? Uh, If I remember, it was, like, 10 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, so basically, like, like a, a minute and a half of time with her for 10 days yeah so pretty much wow. like the korea trip it was like i felt like it was like a all like a huge setup of propaganda because all we did was take pictures that's all we did like we like there was like 200 300 people and they like you know they like gather us around like little sheeps like oh you have to set up over here and then like take a picture and like it was like I don't know. I, I didn't get to spend too much time. I, I met more friends. I got close to more people than I ever did with her. <laughs> you know, like, wow. so yeah, to me, it was a, it was a really big disappointment, but in the same time, like, again, like everything felt like, like when, even when, um, when I was about to leave, um, I don't know if you know him, uh, Pastor Noah, he walks with mother like a lot. Yeah. And, um, I know he, he he came to our group and because we were the East Coast American group and he's like, oh, you know, when you go back, remember to give a lot of fragrance, you know, about what you, what you experience here, you know, say good things, you know, positive things. And I'm sitting there like thinking to myself, I'm like, why is it such a like natural reaction for someone like in the church to tell another person what to say, what to think, what to do? And I was like, like confused, it's, it's like right? when you go to it's like when you go to a business and say they say we'd appreciate a five star review. <laughs> yeah. So like you know wow. when I start- so could DJ yeah. I'm sorry before I, I'm curious because you uh, it sounded like you maybe mentioned something you you were asked mother to do something for you did I hear you correctly? Yeah, there was like something like- personally going on with me because like, I had an injury when I was in the Marine Corps and like this is something like I don't even like, I didn't tell the pastors or deacons not even like my family knew about it and I came to her thinking like okay she is God in the flesh so God mm-hmm. should know what's going on with me like no one else should know but God should know and you know like it was like you know it was like she was just like saying oh just bear fruit just preach you know everything would be okay like just preach I'm like wow so, you know, I did do what she said. Like, don't get me wrong. For, like, what was, like, 2011 when I went there? And I yep. got out in 2017. So, it's not like I went there without, like, no faith or anything. Like, I did what she said. You I had, preached. Yeah. I went and, like, helped establish a house church. Then I started running the house church. Like, I did a lot for the church. And I put a lot of time, a lot of money. 
because they again they when um uh, one thing that actually got me hooked on was uh what was it um that one summer in the the uh the seal of god Kelsey, you know the seal of god right yeah yeah, so, like, when they were showing me, like, you know, how, like, World War II was, like, in the, in the Bible, like, you know, the atomic bomb, and I was, like, oh, wow, like, at the time, again, like, I was young, like, I was, like, fresh out of, like, you know, high school, like, a few years out of high school, like, I'm, like, young, so I don't know anything better, so when they were telling me that, that got me hooked, and when I was told, like, a lot of the sermons, because, uh, like, after the feast, uh, like, the 5 a.m. prayer time, like, I would stay with, like, some of the older members. And, like, Pastor Daniel Lee, like, gave us, like, this uh, this teaching about, like, you know, the Jerusalem Temple being complete in 2012. And it was, like, pretty much saying, like, you know, 2012 was supposed to be the year, like, you know, the world's going to end, Father's going to come. And, you know, I was like, okay. Um, and I also heard another sermon, this uh, another similar sermon, but from another missionary. And, like, so this teaching was going around at that time, but then up to, like, 2011, 2012, it started dying down a little bit. And then in 2013, it was, like, January, um, they, uh, the, uh, what's it called? Seminar? They, yeah, they had this huge seminar. They gathered yep. everyone all throughout the whole East Coast, and they, uh, West Coast we, did it, too. I went to yeah. the L.A. one. So, like, that's the time when uh, Pastor Noah, he was the one who was going around all the time, like, explaining, like, what was going on. And at that time, I was already down in D.C. So when I heard, like, they were saying, like, oh, we never mentioned about the world's going to end. We never mentioned about that. Uh, a lot of things that were saying on the, on the Internet. And at this time, also, like, I don't I didn't go on the Internet and search or anything because what was true was uh, Mother did say. Do not go on the internet and search the internet. I mean, they'll search the uh, the church. So, like when she said that, like you know, a lot of people took that to the heart, and then yeah. like, you know. So you had a question. So it, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I know it's, like it's just going at you right now. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's it's interesting to me that that um, it was your interaction with mother that would you say that was kind of what caused your initial doubt doubting phase to begin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And so maybe like, what was the main thing, I guess, that bothered you? I guess, because there's other members who are probably going to go see her or have seen her. Maybe just like, kind of reemphasize what it was about, about her that was that in your mind, should have looked different if she was truly God. So in they. Well, I feel deep down in my soul, like if like if she is truly God in my mind, in my soul, in my heart, I believe that God should have the power to go wherever, you know, he or she wants. Let's say if it, it, let's say if there is a God of mother, I'm not saying there isn't, but let's say there is and they should be able to go if they're God in the flesh, they should be go. They should be able to go wherever they want. They shouldn't be confined in one certain area. You understand, like when two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ, he had the power to stop the the guards from arresting him, but he didn't do that. He had the power to come down on the cross, but he didn't do that. He did that to fulfill the prophecies. But at the same time, you know, when you see that you know God come comes back in the like second time, and they're like not like they're stuck in Korea, 
and yet you have you know your children spread out throughout the whole entire world they're all suffering like a lot of people in the church they're not rich at all and they're like very very low like like some people would sell their houses to be able to afford to go to korea exactly like you know like but just, I'm just to saying, visit. Like, like, just to spend like, a minute and a half one-on-one time with, with yeah, with mother. This but woman who needs like, you lot, to wear an like, ma- Majority of the people in the church, they're they're not rich. They're like, you know, the working class people, and they're giving everything to this church, but yet she can't go around the world and visit her own children in their own respective Zion. You know, that's like, to me, that doesn't make any sense. Like. I don't know. Yep. It doesn't really seem in any way similar to the the example of Christ that we get. There's just, yeah, there's just obvious issues with that. And Kelsey, can you relate to what he's saying at all and his experiences with? Oh, yeah, because I, I went to Korea twice. I went in 2008 and 2009. And I mean, it's like you, I mean, I, I thought when I went, I was like, we really didn't have like one-on-one time. I mean, because like I, when I went, I, there was no one-on-one time. Like I didn't get one-on-one time. We could go up and maybe say a sentence to her and she would come back saying like, amen or bear good fruit. Yeah. Um, but like, there was no, it was not like a conversation. Meanwhile, some other people would come back and they would say, oh, you know, um, mother told me like, you know, thank you for thank you for moving my location from one from one state to another for the gospel work. And I'm like, what? <laughs> when did you get like a conversation with her? And why can't the rest of us have that? <laughs> like, uh. so so I don't even know if that actually happened. But um, because like when I was there, like she would repeat the same like three or four sentences, like God bless you, thank you, I love you, I miss you, bear good fruit amen and enjoy your meal like yeah. DJ, am i missing any sentence there no like, <laughs> you're, you're you're on point like that that's what that's that was my experience both times and so um and it's just it, it it's it's i mean when i went like i i was i i wasn't I, I, it wasn't my cup of tea. <laughs> it wasn't my cup of tea, yep. but I, but I was wrapped up into it when I went there because every, you mean, you really, you feel like you're meeting like this celebrity, this like God. And so, um, but like when you go there, it's kind of like a different feeling, but because you're surrounded by all like church people, you get again, really wrapped up into it. And then when you leave, when you go back home, that's when you feel like more ramped up to, to do more for the church. But yeah. eventually that like, why, why do you think that is? It's because it's because I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's not just the WMS. Like I have like a friend who's um, part of the unification church, which is that moon some young church. The Moonies. Yeah. The Moonies. And they have, um, they have like seven, like not seminars. It's not what it's called. Like they call it DP workshops, divine principle workshops, which is like their book that explains the Bible. And like, she'll go for, for that, or she'll go to Korea for three months. So she'll come back like a completely different person. Like just every, like all, her whole life's about the church. And then eventually it wears down. It's like some kind of like effect that when you're surrounded by a certain environment for so long, you take, it, it becomes part of you until you're separated mm-hmm. physically separated from it and then right. um and then you kind of your life kind of gets back on track and so that's kind of how i felt when i left 
And, um, and like one thing that DJ, you said that really resonated with me was about um, like, you know, the Noah coming around saying like, you know, hell brothers and sisters, good fragrances. Like, because when I went the, the second time I got sick, like, like physically sick, um, like caught some kind of bug or whatnot. And um, when I came back, I, I had mentioned that oh, I, I, you know, I have a cold and I got, re- I got rebuked so hard for saying that um, I was, I was the bad ex- yeah, for saying I got a cold from when I when I came back because I was told I was like, um, you know, in the Bible where it says like Joshua and Caleb, right? Yeah. That they gave oh, the, the they gave the good report while everybody the ten spies gave what the bad in report. The world. <laughs> yeah, so I was told that I was like the one giving the bad report. Yeah. Um, and I didn't tell members this. I was just in the car from the with the person who picked me up, and I was saying, hey, I need to rest a little extra because I, you know, I got a cold from this. And so then like a few months later, I'm sitting in like a big group Bible study or not. It's not Bible study. It's like, um, it's like where we, it's like course class where we learn how to preach the subjects. And then the, the deaconess uses me as the bad example saying, you know, some people, when they go to meet mother, they give a really bad report. Like, oh, I was so sick when I came back. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I think wow. we all know that she's talking about me. <laughs> wow. So I'm, I'm saying... I'm sorry. The thing is also about the church, like what really got me like annoyed is that like just what like Kelsey was like saying, like in the church, like if there's a member that has like, you know, some negative view or like they have a question or anything, I see this so many times. And this is why I got so scared to ask questions. Um, they would sit there and tell other members, like, stay away from that person. Don't talk to that person. Yeah, uh, I was told not know, to talk to certain evil. people. Yeah. And if those and those people are still in the church, if they knew that I was told by the 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 deaconess or the deacon or the missionary not to talk to them, I think their outlook on the church would be uh, pretty different. Because I was told, because like they would text me, I'm not allowed to text them back. If they're in the church, I could say hi, God bless you, but like I like was literally told to avoid them. So like this this is also like remind me of that time of uh, I don't know if you guys know. Uh, there's like a court case of it. But uh, Deacon Raymond, uh, he yeah. he uh, won the case against the uh, Warmish Society Church of God about the non-disclosure agreement. And, um, you know, at the time, like, when he was in the church, I was there, too. And, um, yeah, like, when he left, I was already in D.C. And I remember I got a phone call from one brother, and he was, like, an older, older brother. He's been there for, like, a decade. And he was like, yeah, like, you know, uh, Deacon left, uh, you know, don't talk to him. He's an evil spirit. He's going to try to take you out of the church. And then he was like telling me like, oh, he has like no faith whatsoever. You know, he's sinning, this and that. Like he was like really like trashing his name. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, wait, I know this guy really, really like at a personal level. Like I talked to him outside the church too. I'm like, this guy doesn't seem that type of way. Like he doesn't seem that type of person. But just because you have like a negative view or you have some like doubtful questions and you're in that position, they make you they like they throw you underneath the bus. They throw they tell you all about their their like personal like you know dirt and everything. And it's like wow, like I can't believe that. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, sounds like that sounds like a typical the typical experience of what we hear so often from from other members it sounds like you i mean you could you could even see like the like uh not the last zoom meeting but the meeting before when you know uh-huh. michelle cologne came on and like as soon as she was done talking that's when craziness began 
It's because they yeah. they they demonize her, Ron Ramos, mm-hmm. um, and I and I know and I know they've been you know talking about me too, and they 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 tell yeah. their members not to talk to us that we are Satan that we're gonna you know yeah. you know take them to hell <laughs> like these they kind of that, things. They did that to me too. But we're the same people. Mm-hmm. We didn't like like we're the same people you know inside the church and outside the church. I'm the same Kelsey that all those members knew. Like, but yeah. now they have in their mind that I'm Satan and they can't mm-hmm. talk to me. Yeah. Yep. So, Tim, uh, you jumped in, and I wanted to just acknowledge to everybody that you're here. We ha- it looks like we have another another the real Tim that I had invited has yeah. come in as well. The real Tim. Yeah. Last time you joined us, Tim, it was not you. You were a little creepy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. It's, it's good to see your face this time. Actually, uh, thanks for being here. Sure. But uh, if you have any thoughts about the mother god stuff or anything i'm just i'm just learning and listening so guys i want to say this real quick sorry oh yep where is it oh i see you yeah i'm trying to show the sunset there we go oh nice Nice. that's god's gift very nice every day there you go Nice. Creation testifies. Continue. Well, I'm noticing in the comments a couple people as you were bringing up some of the your interactions with uh, Mother God. Yeah, uh, they were very much relating. So Heather said that um, Heather Ledesma in the comments said when she went to Korea, Korea, I had like one minute to ask her a question and I got the same answer: bear many good fruits. So it, yeah, it sounds like. Yeah, it's just that's that's unfortunate. Uh, looks like LSR also said um, he was told that it's a sin not to share fragrance after the Korea visit, and I'm assuming that means um, I think maybe you mentioned that sharing like a testimony when you go back, you you share how wonderful it was and how awesome it was and what a great experience. Sort of that kind of idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't share fragrance, yeah. that means you're you're uh, you're dead inside. You have like no soul inside of you. Mm-hmm. So wow. fragrance is like showing that you're not dead. Okay. That's what it was taught to me when I was in the church. And that's why okay. I also taught to the members when I was a house church leader. If you don't get fragrance, then that means your spirit is not alive. Then you're, you you don't have God's spirit in you that's moving in you to give like such a good testimony about what's going on, like what you did and all that stuff. Okay. And for me, that was actually fragrances was one of the things that kind of like kind of pushed me away from the church because I would see them like uh purposely showing like videos to they would make every they would make all the members come and and watch like a like a video and they would purposely show like some kind of like video that like uh showed how much like An Sang Hong suffered while he was on this earth or how much God the mother suffered while they they were like while she was on this earth and it would like they would they would show those videos and then have like a like a session where they have members come up one by one and share like a fragrance and it was like it was like they're showing these videos to produce like a like a like like a it's like a how do I say like like make people sad on purpose and then so that they would come up and they would give a fragrance and they would cry and it would make people more like kind of like loyal to the church saying you know emotional like you know these people suffer so much because of me and so I hate I hated that time so I would always try to find something else to do but sometimes like you you had to sit and watch it like you weren't allowed to did you hate it 
Did you hate it just because of the fakeness that you felt? Yeah, in it? it was so fake. It was so fake. And, you know, like even to this day, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I, you know, they always said like you, we committed sin in heaven, but we never knew right. what we did. Yeah. And they would tell us things like, oh, you know, your life on this earth, what, how you are on this earth is a indication of how you were in heaven. But, you know, like it, they, yeah. they couldn't tell us what we did, yet we had to feel so bad. And they said what we did was so bad that the only punishment that was good enough for our sins that we commit in heaven was we have to come to die. And so it was just, it just, everything just seemed so fake. And just like for the purpose of like making people more loyal to the church. You know, actually, I want to comment on that because like the secret forget, uh, the secret forgetting the sins. Um, that's the one study that did it for me that got me baptized. Like anything else, like the Sabbath day, Passover, like all those sermons didn't really do it for me. But the secret forgetting the sins really did for me. But the thing is, like, where I got rebuked a lot when I asked the question is that, like, because they usually, like, on the, during the sermon, they were, like, um, they were, like, you know, like, compare or try to relate to, like, one situation to another. Like, for example, if you commit a crime, you know, what happens to you? You go, you know, you go sentence to jail and you serve your time, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, like, in the Bible, it says, like, the wages of, uh, the wages of, the wages of sin is death, right? Am I, I forgot. I don't know, yeah. someone quote me on that uh, word for word. Yeah, but that's wages, right. Wages yeah, of yeah, sin is death. Yeah, the wages of sin is death. And when I got rebuked for it is that is that um, I always questioned is that what doesn't, like, what I don't get is, like, why would God send us down to this earth and not allow us to remember what we did or like, at least a chance to fix what we did, like, you know, to be clear about it. Like in the, yep. in the criminal justice system, like, you know, if you go to jail, you know what you did. You know what crime you committed and you know what you need to repent for. But in this case, the way they were preaching is like, I don't know what I did, but yet I know it's bad enough that I must die. But why would God put me like, you know, like that's like playing games with like, 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 you know, like it, it doesn't like sit well with me at all. Like when I got uh, when I would start questioning and I started getting rebuked for that. Yep. It's like, how can you be sorry for something you don't know what you're sorry for? Exactly. Like, for example, well, like a baby, like if the baby was born and the baby dies, what, like, how's that, how the, how does that baby have a chance to repent? It makes no sense. Yeah. Point. Well, um, so guys, we have um, in with us, we have Numa. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if your mic's working. Can you hear us okay, hey. Numa? Hello. Hi. Hello. Hey. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us. So I've been talking with Numa a little bit um, through email, and and so this is another former member. Numa, you have very recently left the WMSCOG. Is that right? Yeah, I left like just a, almost a week. I texted my leaders. I'm not going back to the church. Okay. And what was what was kind of the cause of that? Do you? Could you share maybe a little bit of kind of what caused you? What was kind of the last straw that made you decide to leave? Uh, yeah, um, when I was in the church, I was I've been having doubts about our doctrines, like how not to preach to the poor or the people with disabilities, and hmm. I just brushed it off. Like a lot of things bothered me while in the church, but I just brushed it off. 
And yep. eventually, since we were like keeping our worship at home, I think the one that really got me into a spiral of like researching the history of the church was on one of my recommended videos, your videos about members' testimonies popped up. And ever since, it was a downward spiral of, hey, NCPCOG and going to the, the, uh, like, the examining examining the MSCOG and it's been all of that nonstop for almost an entire week and I think for just three three or four days and I had it you know I just said no this is not there are too many too many contradictions there are too many lies that we were never told and then I've had enough I texted my leaders I'm not going back and that's pretty much been how I got I got out, and they've been wow. texting, they've been calling, and I haven't been answering because I know I already know what they're gonna say based on what the testimonies of other members have been. So I'm not right. going back. That's that that's it. Wow. Well, that's that's awesome, and that yeah. I think that yeah. makes a lot of <laughs> us here and people listening very happy and. And uh, just just want you to know that we're with you. There's a lot of people who are with you, even though we're not physically with you right now. We're with you and we're for you. And man, any any help you need, any encouragement you need, anytime you need to just reach out and talk to somebody in the middle of this process, I'm sure yeah. there's a large group of people here who would be willing to do that. And I know we've already been talking and um, a little bit yeah. in email and um, yeah, so. We are very happy for you. I know, I know this is hard. I can't, people like Kelsey and DJ and others can relate a lot more to what you're going through right now. Um, I, I, I know this is probably really difficult. Uh, This is very fresh for you. You know, one week, uh, this is, you're still like kind of in the middle of leaving in a sense. And um, so I'm sure this is hard and just, yeah, just keep going. And I think you're, you've made the right decision. For sure. Like I, I do have to be honest with you though. Like when I left, it it was extremely, extremely difficult. Um, because yeah. like again, like I I established a lot of relationships that got really close with a lot of people in the church. Like a lot of the people that are in the church right now, they're not bad people. Like, you know, like there's good people there, there's bad leaders. But there's good people in the church that, you know, they have a, um, uh, how you say, it, a sincere heart and mind. Like, they want to worship God, but they're just right. being lied to, you know, and they just don't realize they, they're too scared to question anything. And, that you know, that for me was, like, the difficult part, too, because, like, you know, I was wondering, like, you know, what if I'm wrong? Or, like, what if they're right when they were telling me, like, you know, Satan will, like, play tricks on your mind and make you doubt you yeah. know what i'm saying like so like that fear uh tactic they, they always using on people like to keep them in mm. you know it's hard so but... that that brings up a good point dj that maybe i'd be curious to ask um i mean this can go out to any any of you guys that have left recently but i think i guess more specifically to numa i'm just wondering um if you can relate to that like how if you're do you feel like that's something that right now you're kind of struggling with as you've recently left is, is kind of these questions of what if I'm wrong? What if I got this wrong? And uh, are you wrestling with some of the doctrines right now? Um, maybe just, I mean, if, if you want to, 
maybe share a little bit about some of the questions you might be having and wrestling with. If there's, if there's things that are like really troubling you, um, that's kind of the purpose of this specific video. That's kind of the main purpose tonight is we just kind of want to help answer those questions for people, uh, especially like you who've recently left. And so um, if you want to share those questions that you're having, those things you're wrestling with, I don't want to put you on the, the spot or anything. And we, we can always talk about this afterwards um, uh, more privately. But if you want to share or ask any of those questions, um, this would be a great place to do that, I think. Hey, Hatfield, um, I do actually, if, if uh, I forgot his name, um, sorry, Keenan? Numa. Uh, you forgot. <laughs> Numa? Numa. Yeah. yeah, if he doesn't have anything to say, um, there's one question, uh, Heather, she posted it on the chat. Okay. Um, she, uh, she she asked, she said, I would like to know if DJ still has some belief in the WMS, WMS COG after all these years and if he actually done in-depth research. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, DJ, why don't you answer that question? And then Numa, if you uh, want to, if you have a question that you would like to ask. Um, uh, okay, it looks like I, I see you You shared something in the comments. So after after DJ, you share, then we'll get to Numa. Looks like he has a question that, that yeah. he's gonna ask. So go ahead, DJ, and uh, at, answer Heather's question. Oh, um, yeah, so um, I've been out since 2017. Uh, a lot of things I do believe, um, like, for example, the Sabbath day, I do believe that, um, and I still do it on my own. I just pray and I just read the Bible on a, on a Saturday. Um, one thing I don't believe is tithing um, because there's very few, like, in my opinion, um, verses in the New Testament that shows any examples of any of the apostles or Jesus. Uh, actually keeping the tithing as you know a regulation of the old testament or like you know like giving like an example of how we should follow in the new testament so i there was like very little information on that where i found um the whole thing about the you know god's mother um i've read Anton Hong's book the um, the problems uh, with the Women's veils, new, yeah. new man. I always forget the name. We know what it's, it's like, yeah, about. we all know the one about God the Mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, like, when I, when I read that book, um, the reason why I didn't completely like not stop believing, because if you really read it in depth, he goes explaining that, like, you know, after the thousand years, after the world ends in a thousand years, then the Jerusalem mother would, you know, come down uh, out of heaven. You know, that's where I was like, okay, so maybe there is a spiritual mother. Um, then not only that, when he quoted uh, Jeremiah um, 44, verse 17, I think it was, the queen of heaven, you know, like, from what I was taught in the church, like, you know, when you notice a capital letter, like, of a, you know, capital letter of a spirit, like, for spirit, or the capital G compared to a lowercase g, you can tell the difference of, who the writer is talking about if it's the true mighty god or is it that's like another different god but when you see mm -hmm. like in heaven is you know capital the q and the capital h so there's like a high in my opinion there's like a high deity yes like this deity exists but we're not supposed to be worshiping this deity you know so i don't you know i don't worship you know i acknowledge yes she exists 
but I don't worship, you know, God the Mother, because again, like I want to hold, you know, uh, according to the Ten Commandments, you know, God says, do not worship any other God. You know, if God, the only Creator, He's the Alpha, the Omega, telling everyone do not worship any other God, even if there is a God that exists and you know about it, you know, we shouldn't be worshiping any other God. So that's why I don't worship, you know, God the Mother. I, you know. Yeah, that's something, that's actually a point, yeah, that uh, I think, like you said, Long Song Hong brings up in his book, when, whenever there's a female deity mentioned in any context in the Bible, it's very, very negative, and so. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, okay, so Numa, if you uh, want to go ahead and ask um, your question, feel free to do that. Uh, yeah, um, I have this question about baptism. Because when we are new members in the church, we have to get baptized in the name of Ansang Hong. But yep. I know that biblically, that's completely wrong. And it should be considered maybe a sin. Now, what happens to us who did get baptized in the name of Ansang Hong? I mean, I want to get rebaptized in the name of Jesus. Because right. now I want to put my faith in Jesus. But what about those? I mean, as for me, I was born a Catholic and there and I had like infant baptism, so I don't recall any of that. I want to repent and be rebaptized in the name of Jesus. But what about those who've been baptized in the name of Jesus and yep. then they willingly baptized again in the name of Ansang Hong? Like what are the biblical precautions for for people like that who became members of the WMSCOG? Yeah. So is your, can I ask, is your, this question, um, and this, I'm more just curious to kind of get a, a feel for where you're coming from. I'm wondering if you personally are struggling with fear of this yourself, um, as far as uh, if maybe the fact that you were baptized in the name of Ong Song Hong, if, if there's some sort of like unpardonable sin type experience going on there, is that, is that somewhere of where you're coming from? With this yeah, question, somewhere. is that some of the fear that's playing into it? Yeah, it's it's yeah. a it's a it's a part of it. It's yeah. It's because I don't I don't know from scripture if if it's it's a condemning sin if it's, it's an unforgivable sin. I I mm -hmm. I, I don't. Nope. So I um, I'm gonna you know I have a couple thoughts. I want Tim and any. Uh, it looks like my my brother Shim is on too. I don't know if he has audio, but uh, if you if any of you guys have been watching Great Light Studios videos for a while, uh, Shim is my brother who is in uh, the first couple of those table talk videos we did. So he is with us again after two years. So um, uh, I'm gonna see if, if Shim and uh, Tim have any thoughts on this here in a minute. Feel free to jump in. Um, so. There, there's a verse in Hebrews that I, I just want to point this out um, to you. So Hebrews 7.25, I'm going to share uh, my screen here real quick so you can see this. So he, Hebrews 7.25, are you guys able to see that right now? Yep, I can see. Yep. Okay, I always ask. Probably don't need to ask. Um, so it says... Uh, so actually going back to verse 24, uh, it says, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely 
those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. Um, such a high priest truly befits us, one who is holy, innocent, undefiled, set apart from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Um, and then other, other translations say um, so completely, or the ESV says he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. So the, the idea here that it's trying to get across is that, that Jesus, the, the, what Jesus accomplished on the cross he went as high up in victory as we can possibly, as victory can possibly go. He did everything that could possibly need to be done to pay for every sin, not just some sins, but every sin. Um, and then as low as we could go in failure and the lowest worst sins we could commit, what Jesus did on the cross went lower than that to, to go as low as our deepest sins can go. Um, and so th this says that those who draw near to God through Jesus Jesus always lives to intercede for them. So here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say he, he's able to save to the uttermost those who come draw near to God through him, unless they at one point got baptized in another name, or unless they've committed this particular sin, or unless they spent this many years in this, this sort of sin. It, it doesn't give any, um, any uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just this full, this idea of this full salvation completely available to anyone at all times. And so I'm just, I'm just bringing this up. I hope this verse encourages you that you, I can clearly um, without a doubt say, no, you have not committed any unpardonable sin. And God is not, I don't think God is angry at you or upset with you because you were, you were duped for this time and, and baptized into uh, Ong Song Hong's name. I think he's just if you think about the story of the prodigal son who committed this sin, and I think the sin of the prodigal son was much worse than you in the sense that yours was done, I think, and I, hope, I don't take this offensively, but there's a sense of ignorance in it where you were deceived into it. You weren't willfully embracing false gods knowingly. Um, and so I think, yeah, as the father openly welcomed back the prodigal son, so would, so it, will God and is God, I think, fully and openly welcoming you back. And, and I, I, as I've kind of talked to you about in the emails, I think, yeah, I think it's a really good idea for you to get rebaptized in the name of Jesus. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a good thing. Just, um, and again, just doing it from a place, not of uh, trying to earn anything or trying to prove to God anything, but just simply making a proclamation, I think, both to yourself and to the world that you're not following any other god or any other name but jesus christ and so i think that's yeah an honorable thing to do that and to be rebaptized uh, is a good thing and and i think you should be free from any fear that this the the being baptized in ong song hong's name has in, in any way disqualified you from salvation or forgiveness um so those are a couple of my thoughts tim looks like you have yeah. something you want to say yeah, I was just going to say, first off, uh, praise God that, you know, the deception is passing away. That's awesome. Um, and I kind of, to reiterate kind of what Jordan was saying, I don't see how there could be any reason to think that it'd be an unpardonable sin to have, um, you know, gotten baptized in some other name. Uh, I, I would kind of equate it possibly to um, possibly false god worship or idolatry, but then we see the pattern in the New Testament is that there are many people that were leaving false gods and idols to be baptized in the name of Jesus. 
and uh, that was never an issue because that was just commonplace. And um, so that's, this is kind of a similar situation of uh, right. being in ignorance, you know, kind of following or worshiping something besides the true God and Jesus. And uh, then you forsake that, you turn your back on that, and you get to show the world who you really follow now, following Jesus and getting baptized in his name. That's, that's the appropriate thing to do. Yep. Amen. Amen. Any, uh, anybody else have any thoughts on that? Um, so yeah, there's pretty much like, you know, if the fact that you know inside of you, like if you feel what's right or wrong, like, you know, that's, you know, that's what more, I feel like God is more concerned about. Like, if you understand, like through your spirit, like God sets fine through your spirit, you know, this is not right. And you're realizing this on your own. And you're feeling on your own and like you're noticing all these things without in an, another interaction of another human being, but you're seeing it and you're feeling it like, you know, this is the way God speaks to me, you know, and I feel like, you know, if you feel that, you know, going through a baptism, I, you know, I didn't go through a baptism, uh, another baptism again, because again, like the church, like really like messed up my head with like the view of like any other church, like. Like they make you believe like every church is like Satan, and like even even if that church believes in Jesus Christ, they're still Satan in the eyes of the Mormon society, Church of God. So they're gonna like sit there and try to scare you, but like it takes time to get that out of your head. Hmm, for sure, I um, can totally agree with that because yep. yeah, it, they kind of mess up your view of other churches. I mean, right now, even though I left, I still have this feeling like there's no other church that I could go to because of the the doctrine that they put on you. It kind of lingers in your mind thinking that, oh, no, this church is not a, a true church or that church doesn't. So it, there's kind of like a trust issue going about it. And I can totally agree with that right now. I, I don't think that they're, they're kind of. I don't think that I can openly go to any other church at the moment. Even after leaving the WMSCOG, I think it. I think it's going. It's going to take a long time to get over their teachings or to come and fellowship with fellow Christians after the WMSCOG doctrines. Yep. Can Can I share one thing? Go ahead. Um, cause like after, I mean, I, I knew my, I agree like a hundred percent with you, like from my experience too, is like, it was very, very hard to go to any like other church. Like, like the, when I left it, it <laughs> kind of super, I mean, well, when I, when I left, I left, like I left early on like a Sabbath day and this isn't when I officially left, but this was when, you know, I was like, ec- like on my way out. And so I left like a Sabbath day after afternoon service and I drove back to the city I live in. And I actually went to um, a church and did Bibles and, and, and listened to one of their Bible studies, like on a Sabbath day. And I remember sitting there and I was like, Oh my God, like these, like these people, like they, you know, they, they don't know the Bible. They're not studying the Bible like correctly. They're just like, everybody's just giving their opinion. Like I really had that kind of like mindset. And then, so for me, like, and I sat through a couple of services and I was like, this, this, it, it was completely different than the WMS. And to me, it seemed like these people, they, they don't know, they don't know their Bible. That was my mindset. And 
it wasn't until like I gave myself a break, like, like I don't have to go from WMSCOG to another church. When I gave myself a break and when I, you know, like, like you did Numa, like I, I spent a lot of time doing research on the WMS that there was, like you said, so many inconsistencies that I like, I, you know, I can't justify, I can't justify any of them. And so what really helped me, and I don't mean to plug Great Light Studios, but, but y'all really did help me in, in under, you know, starting to understand the Bible, like, from a different perspective. And that was something that, like, I tried to find that out in, like, different kinds of resources, just, like, you know, going on YouTube, listening to different, like, different, like, popular, like, Christian, like, uh, channels or even trying to listen to a podcast here and there and a few things kind of resonated with me here and there but like like what you guys have done at great light has like really been like it's it's not like i don't know how to i don't know a better way to put this it's not like overly preachy i don't know how to put that like you guys don't try to push an agenda you just say this is you know this is this is the bible and there is another way to understand what we've been taught and i think that's kind of like doing your own research and then once you do your own research then getting in and you know trying to understand the bible from a different perspective is is really it it, for me was really really helpful in in kind of overcoming that that uh, control that the WMS COG had over me, even, you know, a year, year and a half after I left. So. And Kelsey, you, you talk about how you, um, had to put, pack your Bible up for, was it a year or two, right? Yeah. You, you had like so that. many associations with the Bible that you Well, because it was it so and... hard to, I mean, cause like, my, well, my Bible, I mean, I, I know you haven't seen that. Well, no, you probably have seen a WMSCOG person's Bible. It's marked yeah. up. <laughs> uh-huh. So like when crazy. you're, we, yeah, I mean, and we all have the same verses underlined, um, yeah. but it's hard to like, it would be hard to like open it up and read it and understand what is being or not understand what's being said necessarily, but understanding like a different point of view when you see all these verses, you know, underlined and, and, you know, it's just so ingrained in your mind for so long that it's, it's hard to see another perspective. And, but like what, but again, another perspective always exists. There is no, you know, W like, this is a thing of cults is cults do this is they teach you that there's only one way that you know there's only one way to be saved their their way is the only way they have like this undiscovered truth that the rest of the world doesn't know jehovah witnesses do this mormons do this every cult does this and so there is another way to understand outside of the cult's doctrine yes so can you maybe and i think this might be helpful to Numa and others, can you like maybe what's the biggest thing, Kelsey? Do you feel like has shifted for you, maybe in your perspective about God since you left and you kind of went through that process of not really being able to read the Bible? Um, uh, what What do you feel like? Do you feel like you've had maybe a shift a bit in your thinking about God, about Jesus, about the gospel? I think I think so because um, like one thing I've learned is that. God loves you where you're at. And I, and I, and I, you had like another video with, I don't know who this gentleman was like not too long ago. Um, he was blonde. I remember that. 
but um uh, you know, that was video, michael michael yeah Place. yeah that, okay that sounds right yeah. yeah so like i mean he mentioned you know god meets you where you're at and i that's something that i really had a hard time understanding and that you know coming out of the church was because they taught you that if you don't do x y and z if you don't keep every sabbath service on time if you don't keep passover if you're not preaching at least eight times a month you're not bearing fruit then you're not good enough to go to the kingdom of heaven and yeah. so like the love of god in the wmscog is highly conditional and that's evidence you don't when, really know where you stand with him right you, you're no your, and your that's position with thing. him is always up in the air Right, right. You never know where you stand because they would always say like, if father comes tonight, are you good? Are you good enough in your faith that you can go to the kingdom of heaven? And so, um, and, and of course the answer is always no, that you could have always done something more. You, oh, this person passed me on the street and I didn't preach them. Their blood is on my hands. And so there's so much guilt put on you and you're not, (laughs) there's just so much guilt put on you that you you really start to at least in my case really resent resent god because you're like i have to do all this stuff you know if i don't do this god doesn't love me and that's what that's what comes out of the wmscog and so when i left and the more time you know i i gave i mean time sounds like you know cliche i know but like the more time you give yourself to there is no, God doesn't put you on a timeline to get it right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's That's like, interesting. I don't, I don't know if you've ever shared that part about the resentment toward God that you, you feel at some point. I, I think that's the first time maybe you shared that, but I think that's such a good point of what legalistic uh, style um, way of walking before God, what legalism will do, what it produces ultimately is not, it's not a love based it's not grace-based, so it's going to produce resentment. Right. Because you feel like there's this mean, angry being who's who's just like watching your every move and angry when you mess up, impatient, disappointed. Uh, uh, yeah, everything that is uh, the exact opposite of what 1 Corinthians 13 says. You know, 1 John says, God is love, and whoever knows God loves. 1 Corinthians 13 describes what love is love is patient, love is kind, right. love does not boast, love, love does not keep a record of wrong. So we can take 1 Corinthians 13 and we can get a pretty darn good understanding of what well, and, the and real funny, God is like. And funny thing is, is they use that verse and say like, you know, about mother, <laughs> a mother is love, mother, you know, like is all of those things. But the thing is at the end of the day, she, uh, you know, according to the WMSCOG doctrine, she loves you just as much as you're, you're willing to give her like you're you're willing to do what exactly she says and so that's not that's not real love um and also like you know real love like doesn't have like fear like if if i you know if i was going to be late to a sabbath service which i can in 10 years i can count on one hand how many sabbath services i missed okay in 10 years so like if i felt like i was going to be late to a service i would start feeling like extreme panic because like, okay this is it i'm not going to go to the kingdom of heaven because i was late to this one service you know god's not going to love me and so that's not like fear there's you know a true love there there's no fear and yeah there you oh. go that's that's the verse i was thinking of. There there's go. no fear <laughs> in love right and so that's what you just have so much fear or at least I had so much fear when I was a member that something bad was going to happen even to this day and and you know I eventually you know I'm sure I'll get over it but even to this day I still have end of the world nightmares yeah and, and so that's Same what here. yeah it's, it's like but the thing is 
is even I mean at least once a week I'll have like an end of the world nightmare like last night I had one <laughs> and it's like it, it's eventually I know it'll go away but that's you know the long-term effects of this church and this is not and that's not something that I feel God would like do to you know his his people god god is love god is you know god is there for god is like a parent to us right what parent would yeah. disown their child for you know not following a rule they establish the rules exactly. as guidance and then you know so uh, hi everyone um, yeah that's... i just wanted to say something with regarding like yep uh the parent this is, this is sarah by the yeah. way guys sarah's hi. sarah's been you've probably seen her in the comments so another uh, hi uh, just regarding as a parent and the trauma of like having um, nightmares, uh, because I'm a mom myself, yeah, it's it's very terrifying um, after you leave. Like I can, I can definitely relate to that. And even myself, like maybe a couple of weeks back, I actually met with um, one of the members um, and she brought up my daughter actually as to she's going to hell because you're not coming to the church and yeah after that I started having a lot of nightmares and I had to keep doing therapy even more because I was scared to death and my anxiety was going crazy so I can definitely understand the whole you can can relate to the nightmares it's just it goes back to um it, it just seems like what we've talked about before just characteristics of an abusive relationship where there's like literally post-traumatic stress disorder type symptoms experienced by many people after um yeah and i and i have a and i have a question for sarah following that like yeah go ahead like because like i mean i'm not a parent but you know i was you know with the kids um, a lot on the the sabbath days you know like kind of just orchestrating their activities and i remember when it came to like fasting like when we had because we have like a church days where our church holidays where we have to where we have to fast and fasting in the church means no food and no water so we would have to but not only yeah but not only adults but even kids and babies were expected to do it too like did Um, you experience that yourself yeah um i did experience that and for um at the time i wasn't I didn't have children when I was there, but I did have my sisters who were younger than me. So yeah, they would tell me like, oh, they need to do it too, at least for like a few hours or a day. And I wouldn't let them do it because at the end of the day, they're children, you know, they need food and they need to drink. And yeah, like even myself, I told them I'm anemic, so I can't have the luxury of doing that. I need to be careful with eating and being healthy but even that they were like no you have to do it because um you need to give more to god and it that would block also off the water too water and, and food yeah it, it was that much but i told them like i just can't do it because then if i have my anemia again i, I could get to the point that it could become chronic anemia so i, I can't play around with that but they still have peer pressure me. sorry go ahead yeah did did you mention how long you've been out um i've been out for actually this month i'm gonna be two years already two years okay so it's been a but while. it's it's complicated yeah. because for a year i was out but not because of like that me thinking that there were a cult 
it was just too much for me. And at the time I lost my mom. So I just like, I needed to a break. But it's been 11 months that I realized like, oh, this is a cult. Okay. Yeah. So um, real quick, I want to get back to Numa. If you're still, looks like you're still here in the conversation. Um, yeah. I know kind of a lot has a lot has passed since we we mentioned the the baptism stuff. But I just kind of wanted to see if the answers that were given, if that's helpful at all, if that helps clarify things, and, and then maybe see yeah. if you had any further questions. Yeah, it 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 clear it clears out a few stuff and. It kind of gives me a bit more hope than I did before because I'm not really sure for myself because I have really no one to ask about this since I left the WMSCOG. Like a lot of people I had to cut off from my life because I thought, yeah, this is it. And I, I'm giving everything for this. So really, I'm just reaching out to people who are like member former members of the church and asking them how is life after the WMSCOG what are you doing uh, how are you still pursuing being a good Christian following in Jesus you know that kind of question so I, I just feel sometimes like I have I'm just lost in the faith so there are mm -hmm. things that do come up to my mind and I think it's it kind of scares me so I think I think your answer is you even had like encouragement through the email so I'm thankful for that so yeah. yeah I think some of my questions have been answered on your YouTube channel I've been watching your previous videos like the seal of God and like the fig tree so a, a bit a bit of your a bit of my questions have already been answered so yeah I'm kind of thankful for your videos that's awesome and all that that's good so if I do have any more questions, I, 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 I directly ask you guys. So thanks, thanks for the work you guys been putting out. And yeah, yes. I think that's pretty much. Some of it has already been answered. Awesome. Maybe Good. I, I, I think another question would be, about the the couples who have been married into the church, like, they've mm -hmm. been married, like arranged marriage so yeah. is that is that a marriage that is acceptable to god like is that a holy marriage because they've been married in a cult or do they need to be remarried outside the church good question i'm sorry what Very was the question question. question again with a marriage you know like about because some members in the church they are arranged in marriage to become like house church leaders they get sent to, off to places yeah so they get married in the in the church but is that an acceptable marriage to god so um my uh my marriage uh in the church was a ring um oh wow yeah so uh, i can speak about that uh, we're divorced mm -hmm. now, um, but um, in the church, like the way the processes go, uh, like yeah, like you get you, when you get used as a group leader or teacher or anything with the gospel, they want to pair you up with a another gospel worker that you know that's gonna help you out and you know like establishing the church, like whatever it would be like house church or office church, whatever uh, that you know that person you know helps you out. So they. 
they in a way they say everything comes from mother but um i kind of realized in 2000 it was like 2012 2013 um that's wasn't the fact um it was like missionary pretty much like picking out okay this person will be good with this person and i remember i got rebuked because like i say no to this one sister um and the reason why i say no to her because like i'm like i'm i'll be straight up i'm five five i'm short and this sister was like six feet tall it made no sense you know like i i it just like i i it just didn't i didn't like that and so like i got rebuked for that but getting off a little bit off topic but like in the church yeah they do uh, arrange marriage for the gospel and everything and like after you leave they do like try to pressure people to like get a divorce like don't be with that person because that person is no longer in the in the the church and everything they try to do that with my ex-wife and you know she eventually left too um but like yeah like they it's not really anointed because like the way we got married uh we had to go to a court uh a, a courthouse and we got the wedding certificate and then we went to like a judge and we just got married and that's it like we didn't really have like a wedding or anything or like a pastor like you know saying oh like it was a, just a judge and it was me and her and that's it and then like a witness but yeah yeah well thanks for sharing that that's you got a bit of a personal <laughs> personal yeah. side to that that story there um yeah i think you know from a i'll just kind of give you this this really this is one of those questions that i don't think there's a super easy answer to give it's it's somewhat difficult um i think there's some biblical principles to to come from a place of giving you what i would think is the best biblical answer i guess that i could give you um, just a principle laid out in first Corinthians seven. Uh, so, so Paul talking about marriage, he says, uh, if a brother has an unbelieving wife and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has an unbelieving husband and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him for the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his believing wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. Um, otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. And so the, the principle I would take from this that I think could have some application to the question you're asking, as you see here, it seems like the, the implication of this sort of marriage Paul's talking about is a marriage that isn't necessarily what you would call a holy or perfect marriage that's being done in the complete right way, uh, in a God honoring way, because you see an, an unbelieving woman married to, or an unbelieving man, possibly married to a, a believing woman. And so there's a, a there's a, it isn't a perfectly holy marriage, you could say that, but yet Paul's encouraging the believers that even in this situation, because of the holiness of what marriage is itself and, and how important it is in the sight of God, I think, for faithfulness and, um, and, and to, and, and just his, his views, I think, on divorce, where it's kind of, it's like the very last option, um, and, and Jesus gave specific standards, and basically it was, you shouldn't divorce except for cases of sexual immorality and unfaithfulness. Um, I, I think within this, this verse here, you see some principles that I think would apply where, yes, maybe the, the marriage is that take place in the WMSCOG. They weren't entered into for the right reasons. And, and maybe they were, uh, they weren't necessarily 
holy or, or however you'd want to say that. But I think the fact is when those two marry and then they probably consummate that in, in the way that that happens, I think in God's eyes, there is a union that happens there. There's a, there's a spiritual, physical union that takes place. And I think in God's eyes, those two are married. And so I think that I think this advice of Paul would apply to that that situation, and, and Paul would recommend and encourage and say, stay with even if one person stays in the WMSCOG and the other leaves. I think you need to work and do do as much as you can to to remain faithful and to to keep that marriage alive. Um, if the other person refuses to stay in that marriage and they they just uh, they 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 leave and they divorce then then you can't force them to stay um and paul kind of goes on um you know in verse 15 he kind of talks about that a little bit about if the the unbeliever wants to leave the marriage um but um yeah i, I think there's some principles within that that might be helpful and and tim i want to if you have some thoughts there go ahead and share. no i i think you you uh did it quite well i was going to kind of bring up the same thing but but yeah you, you okay said you, you would have said it better, but, you know, no, no. we'll just have to take what they got. <laughs> <laughs> so, Numa, I hope that helps answer your question uh, somewhat. Um, I, I, again, I know there's no easy answer, and it's, it's easy for me to sit here and, and uh, talk about, you know, a situation like that. I, th I think as best as I can do, I'm just giving what I think would be the honorable thing to do if you're in that situation. The most honorable thing to do before God, I know there's situations. I'm not condemning you if you've been divorced, if you've experienced a divorce. I'm not saying again, like that's an unpardonable sin or you can't, you know, anything like that. I'm just saying, I think practically when you're in a marriage, it, it, it's a very important thing in God's eyes and very sacred. Um, and I think the, yeah, principles like these would, would tell us that God wants us to fight for our marriages and do all we can do. And uh, so, if that, um, Newman, does that help at all? I'm trying to unmute you here. There we go. Yeah, it, it kind of answers a few questions, but it's not directly for me. I think it's a question that would be addressed to those members who are leaving because I, I know a couple who just left also this week. So maybe if I could address that question, maybe it could help. Yep. Good. Where, where are you located, if you don't mind me asking? I'm from the Philippines. Oh, Philippines. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of far. It it sounds just, right just, so, you, just huh? so you know, Numa, we're getting a lot of a lot of members from the Philippines reaching out to us. So you're not alone, even from where you're at. There's a lot of people that are leaving. Um, yeah. I don't know how close or far they are from you, but there's a lot of members from the Philippines that have, in, in that area that are reaching out to us that are also leaving. So and uh, hopefully that's maybe somewhat encouraging. Yeah, I, I kind of heard the news as well, not just here, but also in like Europe. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot from Europe yep. too. Yeah. So what, another thing, Numa, that you kind of mentioned that then this is, this is again, um, another question that we get. And Tim, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because I've shared a lot on this and I kind of want to get maybe your perspective and see what you think, but um I, again, the kind of the purpose, my desire tonight for this Zoom meeting was to mainly focus on answering questions like these, questions that you guys who might have recently left, or maybe you left, I don't know, maybe you left years ago and you're still wrestling with some questions that you just feel hung up over. That's kind of the purpose of this. So again, if you're in the comments and you have some of those questions, uh, just do the at symbol Great Light Studios and ask 
questions and we'll try to get to those. Um, but, but one question we keep getting, probably the most common question that I think I'm getting and Kelsey, I think you're getting is um, about like what church to go to. If you leave the WMSCOG, then what? Like where, where do I go? Um, is every church teaching demonic satanic doctrines? Um, do, you know, if, is it wrong to worship on Sunday? I mean, all these different questions that I know different people would have different opinions on. And um, I, I'm just curious, Tim, if you have any thoughts or advice or just some basic wisdom or encouragement that you, you'd want to give people that have just left and are just kind of asking that question of like, now what? Um, mm. Because, and even kind of coming from the perspective again, like people I know like you, Numa, are coming from the place of, of being so ingrained and indoctrinated that every other church is kind of satanic and they're, they're unbelievers and they're preaching a false gospel. Um, and the WMSCOG is the only one with the true message of salvation kind of thing. And so uh, what would you say to those people, Tim? Um, I would say that they're going to have to search a little bit probably. Um, mm -hmm. And why I'd say a good rule of thumb would be to Find out on maybe their website at any church you're thinking about checking out, go to their website, see what their statement of beliefs are. I think that's a really important way to kind of weed it out before you even go there to make sure they've got some, some simple, solid things that, you know, like Jesus is divine. He's the son of God, salvation through faith. I mean, some of these really key, simple things, you'd be surprised how many, you know, kind of curtail that in one way or another. So you want to have yeah. somebody, you want to make sure it's somebody that's doing that. Um, you know, and I coming from my own perspective, tour observance, Sabbath and Passover and everything. I think it could be an easy transition for people coming out of what I call Wimscock, WMSCOG. Um, with if you like, if you find a Messianic Jewish place or a Hebrew Ruth congregation, they're already going to be doing the feasts and the Sabbath. So you're going to have that in common. Um, oftentimes we study the Bible fairly in depth as well. That might be somewhat, uh, somewhat normal for uh, a Wimscog mem member to, to get mm -hmm. into some really deep, deep studies uh, with lots of different word studies and context and stuff. But, but even at those all places, studies that will point you to Jesus. Amen. And that's one thing that I learned too, is that like, you you can study the bible with different people in different churches like that's the, something i didn't realize you know it took me a while to realize after i left is that you know you don't have to study with just one person you can study with different groups hmm. yeah yeah good yeah that's yeah, I, uh, jordan had uh, michael place on the other day to talk about uh, christianity being the real the true faith and uh, me and michael we we disagree on on some different things, but man, we have such a good time talking scripture. It's, it's great. We, we hang out all the time. Yep. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good point, Tim, that I think is, is so, such a simple way to think about this for you guys who are leaving and you're asking that question of where do I go now? What's the right church to join? Uh, I think one thing is it's, it's, I don't, you're never going to find one denomination or one organization that's got it all right and has it all figured out. And, and, and they're the one group. If you find a group that's saying that about themselves, run away as fast as you can, because it's, it's a cold. A cold. <laughs> um, uh, the Unless thing is, there's so there's, there's this, this goes back right back to what me and Tim talked about in the couple of videos we did, where we talked about the difference between the weighty matters and the less weighty matters, the, the, uh, uh, what we call like key core doctrines and secondary issues. And so 
if you find find a group like Tim saying, do your research, find a group that is solid on their views of who Jesus is. They're solid on their views of who God is, the nature of who God is, that he's a he, he's not a woman. He's not a South Korean 70 year old woman. Um, he's not a he's not a South Korean man who died, you know, decades ago. He, he's, he's Jesus. Um, uh, find find people who have solid views about the nature of God and 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 who Jesus is, the divinity of Christ, and then also the gospel, what the gospel is and what it's not. Uh, a group who can clearly articulate that the gospel, that salvation, being being justified by God, having God look at a person and forgive your sins is on the basis completely of his grace and his love for us, not of our works and our striving toward him. And I think within that, you can find groups that hold to those key doctrines. And then you might find a variety of different uh, of groups that have secondary issues where there's disagreements. And I, I, you know, we even talk about, we talk about 10 that we don't necessarily see eye to eye. I don't see eye to eye probably with Jesse, you know, Jesse who we see eye to eye on a lot of things, but there's different, there's just differences of opinions about things and about like end times prophecies and how these are going to work out, how they take place. I mean, uh, you're going to have disagreements because no human being has fully figured out God's yep. word and his doctrine. And that's okay. Uh, you can still have fellowship with people if you're, if they're getting those core doctrines, right. You, I can talk to somebody. I can like Tim talking out with Michael. He can have fellowship and communion because there there's, there's a, an agreement, a, a fellowship around who Jesus is and, and the reality of that, that that's, that's our savior. That's our God. That's our King. That's the one we, his name we call upon and, and we're giving our lives for him because he gave our lives for us. We can hold to that simple truth and then have disagreements about things. And so I would even encourage you like, like kind of what Tim's talking about. Like if it, if for those of you who might feel like it's an easier transition to continue to keep things like Sabbath and, and Passover to do that, but just find a group that, that would communicate the gospel like Tim does where he's not, He's not taking things like Passover and Sabbath observance and making those conditions upon which God bases your forgiveness and your salvation. Yeah. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's just kind of a long-winded way of reaffirming what Tim said, that I think the main thing you should be looking for if you're trying to find another group is that uh, you're looking for groups that have solid doctrines uh, who can clearly and, 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 and rightly articulate who Jesus is and, uh, and have just solid views of that um and that just, i think getting yeah please do go ahead it, like one thing for me like um um like for me it's not so much for finding another group anymore it's like because after the experience i had within the church it's like you know it's very difficult to trust other people out there and like the mental stress mm -hmm. like they put on me and everything and it's like very difficult so i you know i've been struggling for years um, to just find inner peace just with myself, uh, like searching by myself. Like, I don't, like, I don't want to sit there and rely on another group on showing me, you know, like the way, like, you know, their belief, like, yeah, like if, if that's something you want to do, that's great. But for me personally, it's just like, after being in the church for that many years and the things I had to do and, like things I had to say, like I'm not really proud of or I'm like really ashamed of. But like looking back at it, it's like, you know, I don't want to associate myself with like another religious group anymore, just solely because like, you know, like anyone, 
you know, out there can have their their motivation. Like, you know, one thing I always realized is that anyone can pick up the Bible and, you know, say a few verses and, you know, say they, they believe this, they follow this, they, they teach this, but then their motive really is just to gain money, you know. And that's one thing I realized in the church is it's a lot about money as well. Like a lot of the main focus, I don't know if Kelsey, if you want to comment on in this on my list. I saw a video you made before, mm-hmm. you know, like the like with a lot of uh, money being spent inside the church, oh, and huh? Definitely, it's it's about money for sure. Yeah, so it's like just like knowing, like you know, there's a lot of people out there. Like I just don't like after this church, like I like like you said before, like. It really like I really feel like I have PTSD from this church. Like I I I have PTSD from something else, but this church really like really like scarred me for like for life. Like I can't really trust anyone out there because like when you go there and you spend this many time uh the years and everything and like like again like I said before like there's some good people in the church, but at the same time the leaders of the church there's some t- leaders they're just not there so like that's why i feel like finding another group it's like you know i i I feel like it's more better just like trying to find inner peace with yourself and with god well yeah because like i mean because like when they they say they how they they'll say that they're not like in it for them the church is not in it for the money like because they don't ask for their their uh, rebuttal is that they don't ask for money on the on after a third day service on Tuesdays. But like like when you I mean DJ you you watched my video like did you have to participate in you know those paying in the for those kind of things too like construction and food and oh yeah material um, like orchestra why well, if you were an orchestra orchestra to pay for their own stuff too so yeah. I was part of orchestra uh, when I first started the church. I was part of orchestra. I played the viola. Did the church um, pay for your instrument? No, I had to pay for yeah. everything, <laughs> even for my lessons. Because like I played viola when I was younger, but I like forgot a lot of things when I went to the church. So like I had to pay for my own lessons. I had to pay for my own suit. Um, yeah, like a lot of the stuff that comes into the church is paid. From the members in that committee, for example, I was which like, is outside of ties and offerings. Yeah. So like I I spend I spend thousands of dollars in the church. Yeah. Like if anyone that's uh, so active in the church, they're a leader and they really know who I am. They know like I spend a lot like a lot of money for like orchestra tech team. Um, I was also also a part of another house committee, but even within the house church, like I paid for everything in the house. Like, everything I pay for, and then, like, even the members, even if they offer, uh, do the offerings and the tithe, they also, like, you know, we, like, as a leader at the time, I was, like, pressured to, like, ask them to, do- to donate more for, like, certain things, like, you know, we may need, like, a loan more. Or as a house church leader, were you required to uh, rent out the house in your name? Or did yes. the church do that? It was so under my ha- name. It was under your name. Yep. Then you were responsible for making sure like the the bills were paid, like the electricity and. Yes, everything was under my name. 
And when so if, um, if the church didn't, if you guys didn't gather, if because I'm curious because I'm I, I definitely don't know the answer to this one. So like, if if the members didn't come up with enough money that would cover those costs, you would be required to cover those costs. The for example, like for rent, um, I had to pay a thousand dollars, and the rent was like fifteen hundred dollars. So like five hundred dollars came from somewhere else. If, wow. if, if, like at the time there was like another uh, a sister uh, that was living in the house with us and she did the, the odd tithe and offerings and like I, she had to be responsible for like that $500 before her was a deacon and a, and a his wife he was the house church leader and he paid $500 I still had to pay $1,000 even though at that time I wasn't as a house church leader but I was still living in the house and I still had to pay like $1,000 compared to this other person who was just paying $500 and there was two of them at the time. Wow. So like, and, then even, of, and even if the church transitions to a bigger building and the house is still in your name, you still have to pay for that. And then you have to pay for yeah. that all by yourself because the donations are going to go for the new building. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So like, e even if you get kicked out of the house, like we got, we got kicked out of the house. I got screwed over. Uh, this one house we got kicked out of because it was a fire violation and like so many members coming in yeah and honestly there was not that many members there was like 20 members not, yeah not but I, i've seen that with house churches though is like people like the neighbors will complain that there's too many cars around the singing's too loud yeah so it's like i don't know like even at the time like we like i tried uh as a house church leader like i tried to like, you know go around the neighborhood and like we we try to like you know do like community service like you know to like get them to like us, you know, be okay. And like some, some, like somehow, some way, like sort of like preach to them, but it just um, felt completely awkward to be honest with you. It just like, cause like to sit there to talk to a normal, like a normal everyday person that like, you don't sit there and track up a conversation about the Bible, you know, like, right. it's like, it was so awkward. So they sit there, like, you know, you feel like being pressured. Like I had to preach to this person. Cause if I don't preach to this person, then I'm setting on a bad example to the other brothers and sisters who's like also looking at me while I'm talking to this person. So it's like, it was so awkward, like being in the house church. It was like, and like everything, like, you know, your personal business is out there too. Like everyone knows everything. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. Cause you have no it privacy. Is. You have no privacy. Cause I'm, None. I mean, the only house churches I've been in, like a lot of the, um, the, there's no personal space like the no. the last one I was in the overseer they would um tuck away all their belongings into like the closet every every like day so that even like their their makeshift bed every day so that the room could be converted to a study room yeah well we we had that one room and uh and this one house we were in that this one sister uh, she also it was like it was three of us is it was a deacon and a sister, their couple. Then there was me at the time. I was single at the time. There was another sister that the one they were trying to get me married to, that was six feet tall. Uh, she was living in another room in the same house. And they used her room as a Bible study room. And, like, she slept on the floor. Like, she had, like, yeah. no furniture, no nothing. And, like, she was, like, I remember one time I was talking to her. I was, like, because in my room, like, I had like my, I had my bed. I had like my computer desk. I had like you know my little bookshelf, a little refrigerator. Like it was like a little dorm style. Like 
I don't know. But you can't in, have, but you couldn't have anything worldly though, right? Like you couldn't no, have like none at all. movies, at music, all. anything you, like if, that, right? If you watch the movie, it has to be spiritual. Right. And it has to come out like, it has to have like a spiritual. It's on the approved list, right? Because I remember at one point on the website, they had an approved list of spiritual movies. Like usually yeah. it was kids movies. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So like, well, yeah, I think, really controlling. Um, um sarah had a question sarah if you're if you're still looks like yep you're still there yeah uh, go ahead and ask your question so my question is i don't know if you guys have done a video about this before but uh basically something i noticed um when i left um here on the east coast because i feel like each side of the church they have their own thing but wait sarah where are you from uh new york oh snap Sorry, I'm from New Jersey. Yeah, so yeah, the pastor here is like, it's, he's crazy. But anyways, was, uh, uh, Pastor Daniel Lee, right? Yeah, he's he's yeah. too intense. He's too much. Yeah. But basically, huh? You should have seen him back in 2010. He was like, I don't know, but yeah. basically, um, the one thing that I started noticing is that around the time I was leaving, they started doing um the study um was it uh coming with the clouds like how do you explain to them that that's not really him coming again in the sense Kelsey, i want to i want to point out one thing really quick with that is that he wasn't even the first on Hong wasn't even the first person to come up with that explanation actually it was documented in the divine principle by moon sum young who's the mooney who's the leader of the mooney church that that oh. same explanation actually came from him and it was documented before earlier on song yeah earlier before unsung hong documented oh well so that's yeah. something <laughs> well <laughs> so it didn't even come from him but there's that aspect but then there's the biblical aspect <laughs> well kelsey can you like maybe in a quick nutshell explain what that that uh is it a study is it a prophecy what do you call that well, so the, the, oh, that's the one that the Sarah just mentioned. That's a study. That's the, they call it coming on the clouds. Um, so it's like a study where they show a few verses about um, that. They show Daniel chapter seven, where it explains that, you know, the first coming Christ, that he would come on the clouds with yep. power, authority, or authority, glory, and sovereign power. And they showed how Jesus fulfilled it. And then they show another verse saying that when Jesus comes back a second time, he's going to come on the clouds again, which means in the flesh. And so the, the same verses that An Sang Hong uses are, you know, were pre, and I think he documented it in the green book, Mystery of God's Spring of Water of Life, which the, when you open up that book is, I think it says the publication date was 1980. Um, and if I'm wrong, somebody can correct me in the, the comments, but I would encourage you guys to open up your book and look at the cover when the first edition was, but it was, <laughs> it was recorded in the, in the Moon Sam Young book, uh, the divine principle, which is like their, you can think of it as like their version of the green book. It's a supplement to the Bible that kind of, that, that's how they explain the Bible. So he wrote, and I think his earliest edition was like in the late fifties, early sixties. And he has a sub, he has like a whole section kind of towards the back of his book that explains about um, like how Christ will appear, which is in the clouds, meaning in the flesh, where he will appear from, which is going to be Korea. And so, um, so those things didn't originate with, on, like all of Wonsan Ho's teachings, like didn't originate with him. <laughs> 
which is really funny. They come from not only Seventh Day Adventist Church, they come from different places, and and Moon Sum Young. I mean, the 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 Unification Church, his church, was very well known in America. I can only imagine how much more well known it was known in Korea at that time when you know in the 70s and the 60s when you know cults were coming out of the woodworks all over the world especially in the u.s so they were known well in america i can you know you you can best believe Ooh. that they were known in korea too so i have so, to comment on that too um actually my professor in uh in uh uh university of maryland uh he was korean and he like lived throughout like the 50s and 60s and everything and I, uh, this is like after going after leaving the church and I asked him, like, you know, have you ever heard about, like, you know, the World Mission Society Church of God? You know, at his first initial, he said no, because uh, in the English, like Korean. Um, it's a different I, name uh, in Korean. Yeah, it's a different name in Korea. So like, um, like next week later, he comes back to me uh, during class and he was like, you know, I did some research, uh, you know, back in my home country uh, about the church you like you mentioned. And I'm like, yeah. He was like, yeah, that's a very dangerous cult. And he goes like, back in the time, like in the uh, during the uh, 70s, he was saying the 70s and 80s. He said that um, that church was getting confused with uh, the Moonies because uh, of the some problem with Um Sun Un, whatever the lady. It's that... because it's be it's because like uh, the Unification Church. I mean, when when Moon Sum Young married Hak Ja Han, which I think is like his second or third wife, yeah. he he they pro he they proclaimed themselves as the true parents, as uh, the true father and true mother, and that was like I I can't remember the exact year, but that was well before An Sang Hong. It was nineteen fifty four. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, they got. I think yeah. I don't know the year they got married, but it was yeah. It was well before the um, uh, An Sang Hong and and Um Suin kind of thing kind of took place. So yeah. even before that, the idea of in Korea second coming Christ coming with a wife was not a new idea. It was being it talked about because the church the church says the reason why Um Suin came up with the idea that she's a god the mother is because she stole the notes from An Sang Hong and read them and you know just said I'm the god the mother but exist. that idea that I, well yeah there's no proof those notes existed but that idea already existed in Korea at the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so so, so it sounds like maybe one one way then Sarah to answer your question um about about that specific study is, is just the facts that it's it wasn't original the evidence shows that it wasn't an, an original thought or idea um i think theologically or doctrinally uh, if i'm understanding it correctly is kind of the main point the main some of the main focus of it is to focus in on the the idea of christ coming in the clouds being a reference to uh the flesh that's kind of yeah, one because of the main that's how they introduce a little bit of Christ on someone being Christ. That's how right. it was introduced to me. That was the first okay. study. Okay. Okay. So um, again, I'm, I'm just going to pull up the scripture, Tim. And then if you have any thoughts, I'll let you share that. And, and just so you're aware, guys, if you have any uh, questions, again, try to try to get those in quickly. Again, questions mostly pertaining to uh, people who are leaving this group recently, and um, if you're confused, if you have questions you want answered, I, I am going to try to wrap this up here as soon as possible. I don't want this one to go on for four four hours like the last one. So, and, and I need um, to I'm jump. I need to, to. I need to jump to go to work. But um, yep. But if you need thank to you take guys. off, go ahead. Thank you, Kelsey. Bye, for being Bye Kelsey. Here. Bye, Bye, Kelsey. So, so here's just one one place that I'd encourage you to go. 
and uh, to answer uh, that specific study. Um, so this is, this is Acts chapter one. Um, so it's talking about Jesus and it said, after he had said this, they watched as he was taken up and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Um, LSR, I don't know if you're in the comments, but this was a, this was a big one that LSR who's in the comments, I, I think he's still there. We kind of went back and forth on the YouTube comments for a while. And, and finally he came out of the WMSCOG. So I think, I, I don't know if this, this specific text of scripture I'm pointing to helped, but uh, I think it's a big, a big one to look at um, concerning yeah. this whole, this specific study and the doctrine. The specific thing I'm looking at here is it says this same Jesus, that's a big deal because if yeah. it's Ong Song Hong who came back, the South Korean man in 1948, well, who was this Jesus in Acts who left? Well, it was a Jewish man. He was about 33. He had scars in his hands. He had a wound in his side. He had nail holes in his feet. Um, and he was in a resurrected body. Again, a Jewish man named Jesus. The angels are, uh, if these were angels, probably were, that's a a good uh it's not entirely clear but it seems like that's the common interpretation of this they said that it would be this same jesus who would come back into heaven the same way that that the disciples saw him go well how did they see him go well it says right here that they they were looking up in, into the sky they were looking physically up into the physical sky and they physically saw him ascend into the physical clouds so there's there's no there's no question about what happened here. Jesus physically ascended into physical clouds. The angels make a point to say the same Jesus. It's not going to be a different one. Uh, he's not going to look different. He's not going to have a different name. He's not going to have a different race. It's going to be the Jewish man who died two thousand years ago, who resurrected, who's going to return. And how is he going to return? Well, he's going to return from heaven the same way that the disciples saw him go. So whether or not you can make a case in other places that, that whether or not coming in the clouds has a reference to coming in the flesh, that's kind of beside the point, because what we see here is that it doesn't matter, because whether, whether or not that's the case, we know that Jesus, when he comes again, he would come the same way and would be the same Jesus. And so that automatically negates the possibility, it disqualifies Ong Song Hong from being able to be second coming Christ, because he fits right. none of those criteria. Um, Tim, go ahead yeah. and, and share. And then Sarah, sure. I would just like to hear if that helps. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there in that, in Acts chapter one and verse 12 there, um, it mentions that they leave the Mount of Olives. So that conversation was taking place, I believe, at the Mount of Olives. And that helps really to tie into Zechariah 14. And I'm going to read just the first five verses. And there's verse four is what I'm really going to get to. But uh, starting at verse uh, one of chapter 14, see a day shall come for Yahweh or Jehovah and your spoil shall be divided in your midst. And I shall gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem and the city shall be taken. The house is planted, the women ravished. Half of the city shall go in exile, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And Yahweh shall go forth and he shall fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet shall stand upon the mountain of olives which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two, from east to west, a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall move towards the north, half to the south. 
You shall flee in the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains reaches to Atzal. And you shall flee as you fled in the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And Yahweh, my Elohim, shall come, and all the saints with you. So I believe this is tying right into that, that God, in the form of Jesus, is coming back right at that Mount of Olives, just as he said he was going to. And that this whole chapter 14 is a tie-in into the into the day of the Lord. So. That's, a, that's a really good point. And I've, I've talked about this this chapter several times and I've never made that connection, but man, that's, that's ties right back in to the, how he's emphasizing this same Jesus is going to come back in this same way. And it seems if you tie it back in old Testament prophecies, he's also going to come back to the same location. He's going to return in the same location. So yep. wow. and, and, yeah, and, I, I think it's Jewish, any more clear. The Jewish expectation is that uh, that Messiah will come on the Mount of Olives. So they bury their dead on the Mount. That's like the number one spot where you want to be buried because they know that the resurrection is going to happen right there. When God comes to dwell and rule and reign in Israel, that the, the resurrection is going to happen at that time. And so a lot of people bury their dead wow. there at yep. Mount, Mount of Olives. Yep. So I, I feel like Acts chapter one pretty, pretty clearly and definitively yep. disqualifies Ong Song Hong from fitting the category um, of Christ's return. So, Sarah, does that help at all? I mean, you already took, like, I understood from the part the same Jesus, like, everything mm -hmm. else was more information, but just the fact that it says yeah. the same Jesus, I was like, already, okay, they're wrong in that sense. <laughs> yeah. With a lot of yep. stuff that they're wrong already, but yeah. Yeah, right. Yep. Good. Good. Well, um, Guys, are there any are there any other questions? I got a couple that I wrote down from earlier that I'll get to, and then if there's if there's any other specific ones, uh, feel free to ask those in the comments. But but again, I'd like to try to wrap this up here. Um, hopefully, yeah. Next. I, just, I just noticed on the Go chat ahead. on the chat. Uh, are you looking at the chat right now? Yeah, I, I I think I see the question you're you're addressing. So go go ahead. Yeah. So this person says. Um, DJ, I have a question. Why do you say you have PTSD from the church? You look like you killed someone. Um, all right, so let me shine some light on this. Um, so from what I learned um, from PTSD is that PTSD does not only consist of killing somebody. as It comes from a traumatic event where you're, you're fearing your life is being, like, harmed. And in the church, like, they do a lot of fear tactics they try to like manipulate uh, like world uh, events. Like for example, like uh, if like there was like an earthquake or let's say for example, this uh, canora virus that was going around, they would sit there and say like, you know, like you, you know, you have to keep the Passover in order not to face any destruction. This is what they preached to me when I was in. And if you don't keep the Passover, then, you know, whatever destruction happens, you're not gonna be protected. You, you know, you will eventually die. And so when someone's sitting there and telling you constantly day after day that you're going to hell, pretty much like, you know, if you don't do exactly what they say, how they, how they want you to do it, when they want you to do it and how to like, it's like so strict. Like if you don't do everything exact to the T, like the way the warmest society church of God tells you to do, then you're going to hell. So that fear, like every single day thinking, I'm going to go to hell. Like, you know, any day I can yeah. get hit by a bus or any day someone can come up into a, to where I work at and they start shooting up the place. Like anything can happen any day and you can get killed. 
but that fear of like going to hell being embedded to your head every single day that's what like you know that's where i get like the nightmares anxiety um like all that stuff like i don't go outside like like when i first left i like i locked myself in my apartment and like i shut myself off from the world like i didn't talk to nobody like i didn't even talk to family um but like that fear tactic and like all that trauma even when I was in, the, uh, even as a house church leader, like, like I, I like witnessed a lot of things. Like, you know, I witnessed members passing away. I witnessed members taking their own life, and they took their own life, and basically just because of what one person said to them, like whatever leader they at that time they were talking to them, they had a private conversation. You know, like there's people out there, like you know, they're really traumatized by this church because. You know, if someone's sitting there telling you you're going to go to hell and, like, you know nothing about the Bible, you don't know anything, like, you're new to the faith and everything, you know, that's going to scare you every single day. So, like, Um, that's why I feel like, you know, a lot of members are like, I don't know if anyone else can back me up on this, too. uh, Yeah, I was going to say there was a time that people were um, doubting um, when I was (laughs) at the church in Manhattan the second uh, church in Wall Street, um, they actually started showing pictures of the, not the Renaissance, um, when the Catholic church was, um, what was it that they were doing? Kind of like- Inquisition? Yeah, yeah. They were showing pictures of the Inquisition and saying like, this is an example of how hell will be. And that to me stuck to me until this day yeah i think i I think maybe kelsey's mentioned that the the video that they produce um yeah so i think when you're under that sort of uh that sort of those fear induced things being constantly communicated to you um yeah there's definitely some emotional trauma that can be experienced and and so yeah i think actually a a lot of the videos they had like the ucc space videos like they talk about Mm -hmm. like destruction and like, you know, like, all these people, like, they kept the Passover and they're saved. You know, they all were taken down after a lot of people were, like, died from a natural disaster or they died from some sort of disease or their cancer. Because, mm-hmm. like, in the church at the beginning, they teach you that, you know, when you celebrate the Passover, the purpose of the Passover is to protect God's people from any disasters or any plague or any you know, disease or anything like that. They teach you that. But then, like, after, mm-hmm. like, a lot of, like, cases are coming up and, like, and this is why they control the members so much. Like, they don't want you to talk to another member from another Zion. Oh, yeah, for here. sure. Huh? For sure. They don't, like, if you talk to somebody else from another church, even though it's the same church. Yeah, like, they, like you'll find out, like, information, like, you know, for example, like, in my, like, in my house church, like, not my house, uh, the, the DC church, the Zion church that was uh, ten- when I got transferred there. Like, you know, there's a couple members that passed away. And, you know, after they passed away, I, I always got questioned. Like, you know, they were like, hey, like, you know, this person kept the Passover. Like, you know, like, you know, they, they, they would they sit there and question. And I would sit there. I, like, I'll be honest. I was like, hey, I don't, I don't know. Ask the missionary. Like, you know, like, I would be so confused because I was taught. That the Passover is supposed to protect you, 
and yet like these things are happening to members like you know they're like unforeseen and awful so it's like yeah yep i've i've heard uh some i can't remember where i heard it uh but of members that are uh, contracting the coronavirus as well. And so I think somewhat maybe they began to change their, that WSCOG oh. has maybe began to change their statements. And, uh, maybe somebody could, could actually, the funny, the funny part that you, uh, you mentioned that um, I, I do lift on the side as a side hustle. Uh, when I was back in New Jersey, uh, I gave this, uh, uh, a, I guess, yeah, he was a deacon. Like, it was, like, so random. Like, it was so, like, weird and everything, how he got my car and everything. Like, because I picked him up at the airport. And, like, he got in my car, and I didn't know he was a deacon or he was an active member or anything. And then until he started, like, preaching me about the Passover. And I sat there, and I'm like, aren't you, like, afraid about the coronavirus and everything? He's like, no, I'm not afraid because I kept the Passover. And I have it videotaped in my car because I have a dash cam of him well, saying that. You were talking to a member? This was recently? Yeah, that, it, was a deacon. It, was like, it was like two months ago, right oh, before okay. all the lockdown yeah. and everything happened. Yeah. So like, I gave this deacon. Was that when you were still? Was that when you were still in the church? No, no, no. This is this is like this year. He's, okay. he's been out for years. Okay. Yeah, this year. Sorry, I'm I'm having trouble keeping keeping track. So, sorry. Yeah. So like okay. this year, like you know, like with the whole coronavirus going on, he gets in my car, and this this is like around like February. He gets in my car. Uh, I was doing lift. He gets in my car and he started preaching to me. And then that's when I figured uh-huh. out, oh, he's like, you know, he's an active member of the church. And then when he, like, I asked him, you know, aren't you, like, afraid about the coronavirus? Then he sit there and told me, I'm not afraid because I kept the Passover. The Passover is supposed to protect us from all the natural disaster. And I have everything he said, like, videotaped in my dash cam. So okay. like them, like he, him being a representative, of the, like you know, of the church, yep. sitting there telling me, like you know, you're protected by the Passover, nothing happening, but yet there's members that are getting coronavirus. Yeah, you know, that and the, yeah, yeah. There's obviously some issues around there, and I think we've talked about recently a church, and and this is where I always uh, need Kelsey to come back on because she knows the information better. But what one of their zions that uh was affected by uh, uh some kind of natural disaster and so i i was kind of under the understanding that they had kind of begun to shift their statements like their official statements about the coronavirus and whether it would protect members or not um and al- also i had heard that that the majority of members weren't allowed to keep passover um, yeah they were not at the appointed time is that right yeah so Basically, from what I heard was the members who had like stronger faith, they told them to keep the first Passover and the ones that had weak faith, they will keep the second Passover. The second. Yeah, right. So imagine being those members who have the weaker faith who are being, you know, there's so much promotion going on about Passover being the only, only protection. And now they're not being allowed to keep it. Uh, I mean, to get that's. That protection. That's basically putting your faith in, like, I'm going to leave, basically. Hey, guys, yeah. I got to go. That's all right. Thanks for being here. Bye, DJ. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, cool. Well, uh, again, I want to wrap this up soon. There's one question we got that we'll maybe touch on real quick from Ellis. Or this was earlier. But he, he asked... Um, 
He said, do you think that Galatians 4.26 was taught the same way that the WMSCOG teaches it now, 2,000 years ago? So Galatians 4.26, the way the WMSCOG teaches it, do I think it was taught um, this way 2,000 years ago? Uh, this is obviously a good setup. He's setting, setting us up to hit a home run, I think, maybe. Um, Tim, do you got Galatians 4.26? Uh, 426. 426. Yeah. Pull it up on but screen. the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. So obviously they teach, they teach that this is a reference to a female deity. Um, Tim, do you think that 2000 years ago, Paul and the apostles or Paul, when he, when he wrote this, let's put it that way. Uh, when he wrote this, was he writing this with the mindset of trying to communicate the idea of a female deity. No, in fact, he was preaching against the queen of heaven, Diana in Ephesus, you know, yeah. the, exact, <laughs> the exact representation of a mother God. Um, yeah. So no, I know. No, yes, there you go. No, Ellis, he was not, that was not the way that Galatians 4.26 was being taught. And it's, a, was it. it's an allegory, as, as I know you've taught on that several times. Um, yep. That to me is just weird. Um, they always said that having God, the mother, or mother God, or whatever, it's so important. Why is it that they keep it such a mystery until like the end of your studies? Yeah. Or yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I, I have seen, I think some members, it probably does depend a little bit on what member you'd run into. I think some maybe are more upfront with it, but it seems like the majority of the time they would hold back that information until you agree to go to one of their Bible studies. Um, and at that point, they would reveal it. Um, one thing while we're on that topic, um, I wanted to point out um, I just kind of had this thought today. So one of the common arguments you'll hear them use for the existence of Mother God is they'll say that since you see in the physical world that human beings have to get life from their mother, life, physical life comes from the mother. Therefore, um, spiritual life must also come from a mother. Ergo, there's a mother god um is kind of how the argument goes so one thing that i thought about is is well obviously first john 5 11 there's many verses like this where it says this is the testimony god has given us eternal life and this life is in his son so uh there's a couple things about this one is very obviously it's saying that eternal life is something that's found in the son of god and not in the mother uh not in a mother god um, it's found only in the sun. Um, and another thing that's significant about this, and when you think about all the other multitudes of uh, New Testament passages that will say similar things about eternal life, spiritual life being found in Jesus, here's the thing about that. What that's telling us is that 2,000 years ago, people had spiritual life. People had eternal life. People had life, the life of God. And so my question is, if mother if if there's a mother god and only through her can we have spiritual life how was it that these people 2000 years ago when their faith was only in jesus how did they have life how did they have spiritual life by when they were only putting faith in yahweh god if if we're 
pre-Jesus, like it's the saints like David and Abraham, um, who were putting their faith in Jesus uh, through putting faith in, in the Father. But, but the people who are directly being referenced here, like in 1 John that I just read, they have eternal life, yet they have no faith in a mother God. And so if, if their argument is true that physical mothers equals physical life, therefore you must have a spiritual mother to have spiritual life, then how, I guess my question would be, how do you make sense of the, the, the saints who had eternal life and spiritual life I thousands mean, of years before uh, this, this doctrine of, of God the mother was revealed. Go ahead, Their Sarah. Uh, explanation, because I asked that as well. Okay, um, Their explanation, what they gave me was that 2000 years ago, it was the time of Jesus. And then uh, God the mother wasn't ready to come down. But I kind of asked like, well, if she wasn't ready, I'm sure if she was a mom, she will be ready to save their children, like her children, mm -hmm. no matter what. Yeah. But they just said like, oh, there's each age to everything. Okay. So, so they, use, they use the ages, different, yeah. different ages, different names, yeah. different saviors. Yeah, they go I th back I think, to that. Yeah. I think even in that, it would what that would do is it still doesn't solve the problem. The, the fact that they use the argument of you have to have a, they'll use the argument that if you have to have a physical mom to have physical life, then you must have a spiritual mom to have spiritual life. That still wouldn't solve the argument because even if there's different names, different ages, different saviors, yeah. people were still having spiritual life before and without mother. And so their argument that you need a, a mother God to have spiritual life falls apart, um, I guess. But obviously that's, um, you know, there's uh, probably answers they give to that. Um, yeah. But just something I, I had been thinking of. So, um, Tim, go ahead. I, I just said, I gotta, I gotta roll out. Okay, oh, cool. Too. Well, I think, <laughs> I think I'm going to wrap this up. So that's good timing. Um, yeah. So thank you everybody for God bless. being here. Um, we wanted to keep this shorter. Yes. God bless you all. Numa, thanks for joining us and, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll continue talking and, um, yeah, our thoughts and our prayers are definitely with you. So, Thanks, everybody. Bye.